Hello, Path Folk, and welcome to the actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path for After Party 56, covering episodes 166, 167, and 168. Oh, yeah. Our adventures in the slave trenches of, oh my god, we're all gonna die. The slave trenches of traps <laughs> yeah. is what they should have called it. <laughs> Just the trenches of traps. <laughs> I mean, we, we were warned. Yeah, but... I thought it was just Chisisek being a little dramatic because he seems like a dramatic dude. Yeah, could you imagine <laughs> if you didn't talk to him and you're getting surprised by all of this? Oh my yeah. gosh. Because we're being very paranoid with this stuff and that's probably the only reason we're still alive. But in uh, in episode 166, we had finally gotten past those stupid golems and entered the uh, Greenfire Caverns, as this summary tells me they're called, because I don't think we actually <laughs> got their name in the episode. Nope, that's just what the book calls them. We uh, fought several haunts, which are called the Sightless Starvation Haunts, which makes that even worse. Oh my. And, and fought the Geist in Kusurket, I think is how you pronounce that, maybe. Whose name you also did not get. Yep. Mm. And that episode ended with us uh, getting to the lantern chamber. But yeah, so was somebody murdered with a rock? <laughs> yeah, well, and a lot of them <laughs> tried to kill themselves. Um, it's basically they gouged out their own eyes to try to get rid of the green light. Ooh. And then ah. in essence, the green light continued. They believed they could still see the green light because they became so hungry. They started eating the lichen, which was causing insanity. Oh, no. Oh. Fun. Glad we didn't eat that. Yeah. They eventually went crazy. Some of them killed themselves. Uh, some of them maybe mercifully killed some of the others. There was definitely a rock in Smash Skulls. It was definitely a murder. Yeah. Been a mercy murder. And what was the with the Geist guy? Was he just more strong-willed than the others, so he got to actually manifest as a real undead and not a haunt? Uh, so interesting thing about Geist, this one in particular, he is not actually from here. Like he's not from the slave trenches? Nope. What? He's an Osirian ghost that was traveling around Osirian and then uh, like felt you do the, when uh, you die, I guess. Felt the potent necromatic energy here, and Geists actually have a special ability that allows them to control haunts. Oh, and so weird. he, in essence, came in here and then just started hanging around. Uh, how do they put it? He finds the proximity of the haunt soothing. And so he just kind of lounges and feeds off of the negative emotion of the haunts. And y'all are the first ones to disturb him while he's been doing that for thousands of years. So he yeah. found himself a creepy cavern buffet and just decided to hang out. Yeah, basically. Which also so, implies uh, that uh, geists are not uh, location bound. Yeah. They're not. So is he going to respawn? No, they do not have respawn. Okay, so he's just gone. They're sunlight powerless, but they are not destroyed by sunlight. Mm. So ah. in essence, they just find dark places because they can't manifest or do any of their powers in direct sunlight. And well, then, yeah. We're going to bury those folks up in the sunlight so Somewhere. there won't be any more haunts. That's an interesting side note, kind of reading into uh, maybe a bit of his backstory just from his stat block. He only speaks ancient Osiriani and Abyssal. So take Abyssal. from that what you will. Huh. Probably not a good guy in life. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, definitely not a good guy. <laughs> Is Set ca Set's chaotic evil, isn't he? Maybe he was he a follower of Set and hung out with... I mean, he also had a crocodile head, and I believe Sobek is also chaotic evil. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So he's not, not a nice dude. No, but yeah, it hasn't really been proven as, uh, you know... Still didn't answer the question of <laughs> was he born with a crocodile head or not. Uh, I, no. I imagine that's just something that manifested once he became a ghost, either because he followed Sobek or something like that. 
Yeah, I've always liked how um, there are a couple of different things, but it always jumps to me from uh, Wraith the Oblivion, the White Wolf game, that they talked about how ghosts oftentimes don't look like they the person that they did in life, particularly as they grow older. They more manifest as their internal vision of themselves, which is why there's like the beautiful ghosts haunting the moors and all the rest of that. It's like, well, really, it's just people die and then they're like, well, I'm supposed to be a beautiful ghost haunting the moors. And so over time, they just adopt that vision of themselves. Oh, that's kind of cool. So that's interesting. Even ghosts can better themselves. It also reminds me a little bit. Uh, there's that guy in a dog costume in uh, The Shining. Yeah. Where I don't think the guy in real life wore a dog costume. It's just I think he was so subservient to the guy that ran the hotel that when he manifests as a ghost, he manifests in a dog costume. Which was so weird. So weird. <laughs> But that fight could have gone a lot worse because of his stupid... I'm, I hate the I'm a ghost and I can mm-hmm. just float through walls and spring attack and you can never attack me shenanigans. Incorporeal yep. spring attack is very OP. Yes, it is. Well, I mean, that's kind of their whole shtick. Yeah, he didn't really utilize it, but uh, he also has blind fight, which means that he can stay oh. inside of a wall and then blind fight people outside that is of the wall. Cruel. I, yeah. He can engage in slap fighting through a wall. Lovely. Well, when you're a ghost, that's all you have to do is slap fight somebody until yeah. the con damage kills them. <laughs> hey, yeah. but Force Anchor, I finally I know. had a reason to have t- learned that spell a million years ago. Yeah, sure. it definitely came in handy for sure. It's one of those the spells that work against incorporeal creatures are worthless until you fight an incorporeal creature and you're like, that's why I retook that. That's yep. why I keep that memorized. Yeah, th- those spells are insurance <laughs> That's spells. why I need that. <laughs> it's like, why, why do you have glitter dust at high levels? It's because of you're, the, you have that one time you're going to fight the uh, invisible thing and glitter dust is a, fu- a thing to fight against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, it's so many spells are, they're not useful until they're invaluable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. And then uh, episode 167, we went into the lantern chamber and we're immediately attacked by those shining children. Ah, uh, the shining children. What a yeah, surprise. They're a mess, man. That that whole <laughs> fight was kind of a mess. <laughs> that fight was three, something. Three of us were blinded. I was a little worried. I I almost activated my ring of stony flesh. Like that's how worried I was. Masika never got hit by the fire, but she has that fire ring that absorbs like one fire spell a day and gives her fire shroud and things like that. But since she was blind, I guess they just left her alone. For most of that fight, they couldn't see you. <laughs> yep. So for the audience at home, we are playing all of this on virtual tabletop. Uh, and so whenever someone gets blinded, I just turn off that player's ability to see the map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can uh, see what we've already explored, but we can yes. no longer see where we are, or where anybody else is. Yeah. That's why Masika has her armor guidance system. Yeah. An armor GPS. And so I think what Heather wasn't aware for that entire fight is, you know, it's like, oh, they just left me alone that whole fight. It's like, actually, because of everyone's positioning, they literally couldn't see Masika. Masika was around yeah. the corner for the entire fight against yeah. them. Which is one thing I like better about playing virtually than um, playing in person is it's hard to do that in person because obviously you can still see the That's map. why we got to get one of those fancy tables where we just put a TV in it. So even though we're around <laughs> the table, you know. Each, each person gets their own little screen. Is that yes. well, I was going to say, the you could still see the map and yeah. see whether or not you're up. But um, the other thing that I found was kind of interesting with that was the fact that, you know, Hollis got hit with her reflective disintegrate. Oh, oh it hurt so much. Oh, but Hollis gosh. was honestly the best protected already against them because I don't think they hit her with anything. And she still had basically all of her uh, elemental absorption ability. So. Yeah. I didn't have all of it, but I had a lot of it. Yeah. So it's like Hollis would have been fine even if one of them had decided to start attacking her. But 
Well, and then I, I, I tapped Citra with Resist Synergy and I tapped Sudi and myself with Resist Synergy Communal. So by the end of it, we were okay. That disintegrate, yeah, having to roll your own death, not fun. Don't recommend. Yeah, I'm, I'm I was sure spending I... that entire time Googling how can we bring all it? What spells work? <laughs> what spells work if you're disintegrated? I don't remember. You should have <laughs> known your girl Jessica can't die via disintegrate. It's just I didn't thing. know how hurt you were and already because and, I was like, I know Hollis and Masika have very similar hit points, so but I was like, I don't know how hurt she is before this. I don't know this. how similar our hit points are. What, what are your hit points? Because I have 94. So does Masika. They're the exact okay, same. Okay, so they're exactly the same. Cool. Yeah. <sighs> but the yeah, worst part bad. about that was you having to roll your own damage to determine if you killed yourself with this spell. Gross. And oh, literally the rest gross. of us are just sitting there like, and it's probably, a, it like felt like an hour, but it was probably like a good like two or three minutes of her like summing up. What would, what would that have been? Uh, 26 D6 of damage. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yes. Hollis is not built to make saves against her own safe DC. No, yes. four saves are my not. weak save. <laughs> but fortunately, uh, speaking of weak saves, Shining Children don't have particularly good will saves. Oh yeah, we got to be. I like, was bye. sad I couldn't banish them because I have to see them for that. It's weird how some spells Narmer can target for me and other ones he can't. It's if well, because Narmer's telling you a square. So if it's an area effect like a lightning bolt, mm. he's just telling you a square. <laughs> yeah. But hey, we got However, to dismiss one, so thank God for that. Yeah. And uh, I only made, I felt one mistake with that encounter, which was that first round after the other one had been banished, I should have just had him take a five foot step back and put up a wall of force between Sudi and Citra. And it was giving Citra that flank for that following yeah. round. That was the issue. That would have been a real mess because uh, it was funny because Jess and I were talking about it afterwards and she's like, I wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. I'm like, you could have dispelled it. Would have taken resources, but you could have I have to it. dispel magics pretty much all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The the problem is they're caster level twelve, so it's kind of a coin toss Ooh. whether or not Hollis could successfully dispel that. Yeah, I'm just lucky you guys we were immune to the strength. rainbow pattern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that would have made it Oh, I'm just gonna stand here while you murder me. Which is interesting because it's actually in their tactics that they use the rainbow pattern. But assuming that you're the proper level, which you guys are. Yeah, but there was there was two of them, so that increases the challenge rating higher. If it was just one of them and it's fighting like you know a group of ten or eleven, tenth or eleventh level adventurers, it would work. Yeah. But yeah, no the the most the most like bonkers part of that was three quarters of the party getting blinded. Yeah. That's when I started panicking. Like I was like yeah. me, the player was like, uh oh, we are in so uh, much trouble. I was like, I have two heals and a break enchantment. The only problem with break enchantment is that it's a minute. So I was like, I can get. Sudi up because he needs to see so Citra can get the flank and then I, I was actually do myself because I took Glenn's. I'm so happy I took that beat. <laughs> and then yeah, you that, def the that definitely after helped she out. Yeah, because I was like after she fixed her yeah. so after Hollis fixed that I was like okay then I'll use my other heal on me and then we'll be good and, and then but I then Hollis almost sadness. murdered herself so. Oh y'all eight hit points. Ooh, toughness. That's, that's you bad. have to take toughness. You have to. It is such this, a good Yeah, that is, that is, again, the, is, the case for it, the necessity of toughness. It is the only reason well, Hollis didn't die. As a wizard, yeah. I mean, Masika doesn't have toughness, well, yeah. but she has a higher con, so. I take tough. I have a, I think Hollis rocks a 13 con. Yeah, Masika's got a 14. She'll have so. a 14 when we get to put another stat point somewhere, but uh, that whole elven thing. Mm. But... Even on, I, I take toughness all the time. I, I think I take tough, uh, hold on one moment. Oh no, Cypress doesn't have toughness, but I take toughness a lot. <laughs> if I'm ever like, what am I gonna take? I don't know, toughness. There's also that feat that gives you an extra skill point per level that's really cool too. Yeah, 
I don't know. We usually have somebody that can do skills. I, I, I also like when I pick my favorite class bonus, I almost always put it in hit points. Yeah, and and uh, for context, because I, I don't know if I made it into the episode, but I scre- I think I screamed out when you said you had eight hit points. She's done it again. <laughs> um, I did a lot of screaming in that episode, but uh, for context, Jessa, we we looked at we we thought about it, and Jessa survived two disintegrates where she failed to the uh, the fortitude save. And then I've I've obviously survived somewhere I saved. Yeah, and then she survived somewhere she saved. And an or two oracles, and then. Hollis the wizard. I don't know if I've been disintegrated outside of those three characters, to be honest. I don't know, but you do have a special relationship with somehow surviving those. That spell and I, we have a sacred agreement. I know its true name, as it were. Oh my god. Goodness. <laughs> That's the Jessica mythos, and it has only to do with the single spell. <laughs> it's a very, very specific Jess mythos. <laughs> So episode 168 was after we managed to survive the shenanigans with the shining children and the mm-hmm. lantern had revealed a hidden vault vault air quotes that yep. was a uh, Tefnaju's treasure vault and we found a lot of random stuff in there like really random stuff like I'm excited to try that water I don't know like Akatef's like yeah I'm gonna give you enough treasures to fill, fill a pyramid and then it's like a 15 by 20 room with not even full it's just some random crap he in did it not dis- he, the thing is there's a legal loophole there <laughs> didn't say what size the pyramid was well and to be fair pyramids are mostly just rock with yeah. a few small rooms in them mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know it seemed like he got the short end of the stick that's for sure oh yeah, yeah. I mean again Hakatep took advantage of the fact that he was Young, impulsive, arrogant, etc. You can kind of tell that with a number of the contracts where, you know, Hakatep, again, you're aware that Hakatep is kind of a charisma caster. Oh, yeah. And as a sorcerer, that means high deception or, you know, high, uh, high bluff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good at reading people. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky is, is what I'm hearing. Sneaky, sneak. Sneaky, sneak. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like. And that was so that was very disappointing. Yeah, I feel bad for Teftichu like even more than I did before. Yeah, because like if you at least got like a giant, you know, Scrooge McDuck like yeah, treasure room, at least then, if, okay, cool, you know, at least you, know, you did at, get paid for at, it. But yeah, Hawk, God, the more the longer we play this game, the more I hate Hawkatep. I'm I just like, supposed to. Yeah, he's 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 definitely like now my categorization of his alignment when he was alive is lawful evil because like that <laughs> is such a lawful evil move to do to be like I never told you what size the pyramid was gonna be, Sonny. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. He's he's feeling more like a con man the more that we're going through this. Mm-hmm. We also learned about Beck and Tofra, the elder earth elemental. I know he sounds what the cool, but bad. Is up with all the mythic crap in this game. This is not Wrath of the Righteous. Yeah, if you want me to, <laughs> know, if, if you right. want me to fight mythic crap. Give me mythic levels, Pathfinder. Well, I mean, to be I was fair, gonna say, I was going to say, where's our mythic quest? <laughs> yeah, Mummy's Mask is the adventure path that came out immediately after Wrath of the Righteous. Yeah, but that doesn't so mythic mean mythic was kind that, of the new. Okay, that's fine. Then give us mythic levels to compete with the bad guys you're giving mythic crap. I am no. seriously yeah. worried now that Hakatep has mythic levels. And I'm like, because of his pet bird and the elder elemental guarding his place <laughs> has them. There's a good chance he has them. I can make a compelling argument why he probably doesn't have mythic levels. He'll only be two thirds as strong <laughs> because so. I'll have a third of his self on my face, I guess. Yeah, but we have yep. to restore him to destroy him, remember? Well, I assume yeah. we're going to destroy him 
knock him out and then put the mask on. It depends on, him. Yeah, on how sleep. we have to do it. We don't know how. Don't yeah, know we, how we don't yet. really know how all of this works. We're kind of winging that part of the <laughs> adventure, y'all. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind fair, of like... I'm kind of annoyed with now two things that have mythic. One thing I was mm. like, okay, that's kind of that's okay. That, that, the, the thing is, they're like, oh, that bird, that's mythic. We're not fighting that bird. The thing that you have to fight that's mythic. Mm. Dang it. Yeah. There it is. Well, and again, it's because. Mythic level feats, if you've ever looked over them, even the ones you can only get at level one mythic tier, I say only, are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> so even our party against one thing with a really good mythic feat is, it skews the challenge way out of whack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am so. hoping that uh, maybe we can get some info out of my ancestor. <laughs> maybe get some workaround stuff or figure out how he did what he did. You're like great, 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 Grandpa Nahamra, you've been around for a long time. What the heck's going on? On a scale of one to ten, how mythic were you? That's the real question. Was just everybody mythic back then? Is that just how it was? Oh, it was much more common in my day. Back in my day, everybody was mythic. Man, you turned eighteen, you just got a mythic level slapped on you. But I remember that mythic Potter I talked to that one time. Oh my god! No wonder there are making artifacts left, right, and center. Everybody's a mythic caster. But we went back down. We, you know, went around the freaking golems again and went back into the lantern chamber. Where we found it, a, found a folding treasure chest that was trapped with two symbols of insanity. That, that was so cool, though. Dude, it almost okay. got blasted with twice. Twice. Yep. Oh my god! No, no, it was that thing where like it was one, and I, I, I think Ricky even said, I said, well, there were two of them. That's right. And then I just never finished the thought to be like, there's a second one for sure. Because <laughs> who would put two? Sneaky but, oh people. My gosh. That that's who. Sneaky Shining people. children. And then we found all the figurines, which I guess is our bypass for the mythic stuff, but I'm still salty about there being mythic stuff <laughs> that we may have had to fight in this. That we may have to fight depend I still I feel like if these random encounters at the slave trenches have mythic levels, Hawketep's got to have mythic levels. I mean, there's a I'm part scared. of me that wonders, like, and this would be a question, like, we ever got Michael Cortez on to, like, ask him. So, one, maybe we can defeat them even with the mythic stuff on, because, like, what if we just never saw those and analyzed them and found out that we had, like, little bypasses to their mythic power? Like, is it designed to, so that we could beat them? To be clear, the the stage where you get where you're, like, unkillable by non-mythic means or you cannot be injured by non-mythic weapons that's a pretty high mythic tier yeah but still like i said having mythic feats where you know you automatically confirm every critical hit or you can charge seven thousand million feet and all this other stuff are ridiculous that's enough to give you the edge over a party so potentially <laughs> yeah well i think yeah. it's also just like all of us are like mythic is like beyond the rules oh, of yeah. normal play it's, so it's like we're just kind of all just like clinching because we're like it's, oh it's, it's literally stuff that our characters can never do. You know what I mean? So Well, I mean there's plenty of stuff that like various monsters can do that we can never do, but it's it's more the it's more the capital M mythic. So So at least we have those workarounds and we're going to have to uh kill the bird while yeah, it's Yeah, but we got to wait a week in it. So that's good. Yeah, and then we can we need to put Beck and Tofa's thing in there that takes away his mythic powers before we talk to him. And hopefully we can just convince him to leave. Well, Tefna Jew doesn't seem to think that's possible. He's just like, yeah, I've tried talking to him before, and yeah, he's stubborn. So we we might be able to talk our way. I mean, some of us are 
are decent Pretty with diplomatic, words. maybe. Yeah. Some of us are more diplomatic than the Magus. <laughs> I, I think the the problem though is that if it only speaks Terran, which I have no idea if it if it only speaks Terran or whatever, then it, assuming we level up before we talk to it, I'll be the only one I think who can speak it, right? Because I think I'm the only one who knows Terran or will I mean, know Terran. I think I have tongues in my spell book. Oh, do you? Okay, so then maybe. I, I mean, but I don't say, have to prepare. Sudi's diplomacy more. is um very bad. So, okay. um, Nahamra was still part of all this. Like, he hadn't been banished yet when all this planning stuff no, happened, right? No, he was banished after his Correct. death, or after yeah, Hakatev's so death. That's why I'm thinking, like, maybe we go, you know, over there and might get some tips on how to deal with this guy. <laughs> I don't know. Tips I don't tricks. know how Nahamra, how much Nahamra would have been involved in, like, the summonings and stuff, though. That would probably have been I more... You know. I mean, he was the, you know, guy for Nethys, so he's like the big magic guy, so... Well, Hakatep's also a sorcerer that negotiated all these contracts, so I don't I know, know if... But they were also very tight, so I don't know if they, like, had advice or what, so I don't know. Hmm. Yep. We but, also need yep. to talk about the most clutch part of that episode, which was Masika casting visions before yes. we put the Ankh in the, in the disc and lost it. <laughs> Honestly, because I didn't expect it to be as easy as you put this thing in there, it seemed like that was too obvious for just a sec and uh, Hakatep, because nothing well, with them has been obvious such far. Yeah, not not so much. I think some of the assumption is at this high of a level, you have access to legend lore and things like that. But yeah, again, you could feasibly shove that in and then... I mean, yeah, depending on party composition, sets. you could not. Now, you don't know whether or not it breaks. Yeah. If you it's just it, there's a very, very good chance it's going to. Yeah, that's fair. I guess maybe and, that's a little bit of wiggle room for the GM to be like, well, there's a odd rumbling sound this time when you do it, but it still works. Yeah, yeah well, I'd I just give rather them the have all of our ducks in a row and have dealt with anything. So if there is any weird complications and we have to take more time for some reason, we we don't have that threat of this not working. I mean, we're, we're operating something we barely understand that's 6,000 years old. I mean, complications are probably an understatement for what's going to happen. <laughs> yep. I will say uh, one thing that we kind of breezed over a little bit there that I thought was kind of neat is uh, the trap within a trap within a trap. In oh, the, my gosh. Uh, yes. Sixth oh figurine. <laughs> which yep. would summon an Enghu. Which, my God, these things. Oh, I don't, I don't even know if I want to know. Let's run through the theoretical, like, how dead would we be? Uh, they're CR 14, so Ugh. that's a good start. And they can summon doubles of themselves, because I fought, you fight them a lot in the later chapters. Of yeah, they are, they're fae. Which, I don't know if we touched a single fae in this adventure. They're kind of, they're kind of a weird mix of, like, fae slash undead. And, yeah, they can make shadow duplicates of themselves. They basically have one twentieth of their hit points, but gets all of their attacks and all the rest of that. Then you have Shadow to roll a will save to disbelieve. Oh man! And Yikes. they also get a circle of death as oh. a spell like ability. Oh. Uh, prismatic Yikes. spray as a spell like ability. Oh, dimensional anchor. That one's fun. So there's no getting away from some of them. Oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah, it's just kind of a fun monster. Dr. Ten cold iron, 133 hit points, 31 AC. I mean, thankfully, that's one of the ones that's easily detected, at least, because you have to, like, go put it in the thing. So as long as you're not just like, let's put them all in and see what happens, then, you know. I mean, I'm sure there are people that do that. Yeah. And to be fair, also, the uh, Hollis is taking 10 for a 33 spellcraft. The DC to determine what these do is 32. Whoa. So unless you have someone with a really high dedicated spellcraft, it's possible that you might go, well, we don't know what these do, but... 
Let's try him. This is a thing of Tef Naju, which by the way, this can also kind of be the first time that you can get to talk to him. Because oh. if you came in here and explored all this and then put the statue in the place, you could telepathically communicate with him. Oh. Which would be like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm standing outside. What the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> which is a weird way of interacting with Tef Naju. I, I kind of prefer the way we did it. Yeah, <laughs> I think our, our way was better. It also touched on uh, the foreshadowing of the tribeater also. Yep. So yeah, we did get some intel yeah. on some of the things that are here. We're putting that in before we leave because and it's that because I don't want a freaking lich mummy dinosaur chasing us down. Yeah, I'm not, I just lich the dinosaur. <laughs> I I do love the fact that it buffs it though. It yes. makes it killable, but it buffs it. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah. rather have it buffed and be able to murder it than kill it and then like you know two days later the dinosaur's back. You know. Yep. You know We're what back. an undead spinosaurus is missing? Haste. Uh, yep. Haste is uh, what it's missing. <laughs> no, it is not missing haste. I refuse. No. <laughs> I can't wait to show you guys the artwork for this guy. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm sure it's amazing. It's but, amazing in an almost adorable sort of way. <laughs> of course. Stegosaurus are Narmer's cute, man. power stone comes from the elemental plane of Earth. Yeah. Are we Didn't ever going to figure out how Chisiset got a hold of that? Obviously, Hakatep did a whole bunch with elementals. Yeah, so it's possible he could have negotiated for one or something. Just a sec, as we kind of established, had no interest in, uh, no romantic interest, none of the rest of that, you know, yeah. no interest in kind of continuing a, a long uh, lineage. And so is it beyond thought that just a sec might have just been, you know what, why don't you just, why don't you just get me a really cool rock and I'll just make a magic sun? Which was kind of the, oh, the magic sage. <laughs> well, it's it's almost more a magic grandson at that point because he was oh, really okay, trying fine. to build the clockwork sage. <laughs> oh, Narmer, you weird little clockwork fish, you. Yep, I am the inheritor of ultimate power. Itty bitty living space. Itty bitty living space. <laughs> oh my god. All right, well, that those were episodes 166, 167, and 168. I am sure everything from here will be smooth sailing. Yeah. And we, uh, we of left off with a teased mask vision. Yep, mask yep. vision time. Oh, yeah. wearing it. With no further complications, we'll figure out this uh, the, the slave trenches easy peasy because just oh, yeah. the sex instructions were super detailed. Super clear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be fair, anyway. he was running up against the uh, minute per caster level time frame for Speak With Dead. So. It was a more powerful Speak With Dead than normal Speak With Dead. We could have an actual conversation, but still. Um... I guess we got some emails. Y'all want to do emails? Emails. Sure. You know. Why not? Our first email is from James. Uh, hey, there James. Is, there is no place where James is from. The void. <laughs> we can't put people who don't put where they're from in the void. That's just mean. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I need to code up a uh, a random location generator that just slaps up different things when we refresh the page. <laughs> James is from Carcosa. Moving on. Got to put him somewhere semi nice. Jordan gave me an idea. Hold on one second. Oh, oh Lord. It's getting random. <laughs> All right, Heather, go ahead and bounce, bounce me a D10. Uh, I rolled an eight. Eight. All right. So somewhere in old Chiliax. So Chiliax, Ravenel, Nidal, Izgir, or the Mindspin Mountains. Uh, Nidal. Hello. <laughs> and done. Yeah, right. you should really, if you want to not be read when Heather is hosting so you don't end up in Nidal. <laughs> you <should put> that in. <laughs> 
Is even there a the, place even other the than, mythos there puts you in Night Hall. Is there a place yeah. other than Penguin Land in the Night Hall? It's not there's called Penguin Land. <laughs> it's Pangolius. There's and a there's, port somewhere. There's a really cool forest where the evil druids hang out. <laughs> really cool. I think the port town's better, but I can't remember the name of it. Portmanteau? Nisroch? Yeah. Bless you. Or Nisroch, if it's a or hard Nisroch. K sound. There's also Ridwen, which is uh, closer to Nirmathos or Nirmathus. All right. So James from uh, Nisroch in Nidal says, what up? Find the path crew. Long time listener. First time rider. Well, hello. Yo. <laughs> hello. Sorry. Don't, I'm not apologizing. You get to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even in that city. You're in Pangolin. <laughs> Pangolius. Pangolin. <laughs> They Y'all are so disrespectful to me and my people. <laughs> they should have named James, that something else. James goes on to say, I don't have any super creative praises, so I'll just echo what everyone else says. Y'all are great at what you do. You have an entertaining story, good GM and players, good audio quality, strong adherence to diversity and inclusivity, and perhaps most challengingly, seemingly know all the rules of Pathfinder. Yeah, that's because Rick is good at editing. The magic the of magic editing. Of editing, indeed. <laughs> we, we know, know the rules oh, yeah, we know pretty, pretty well, well, but not like Rick polishes it up pretty Every good. Every couple in the of episodes, process. we do get into some really weird minutia. Yeah, it, it so becomes it more and more common the higher the levels. Yeah, get. it does. Yep. It gets more complicated. How does spell turning work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cut from the episode was the five minutes of figuring out how spell, how turning, spell turning works. Turning <laughs> I'm blind, but I want to. Touch my eyes. Yeah, it's like, how does that work? <laughs> I would like to do something the while thing. still being blind. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to say, or James goes on to say, my question though comes from a recent after-party roundtable where where someone mentions picking up Blades in the Dark, but have any of you looked through the rules, listened to a pot of it, or played a game of it? I have not, and I think no. it was Rick so that, was that talked me. about yeah. Blades of the Dark. I've heard uh, about I've it. I've looked through the rules on Blades of the Dark. I actually find it very interesting. I have not played a game of it. I've listened to some other podcasts and like actual plays and all the rest of that just kind of in the background. And yeah, it intrigues me. It is very rules light. That intrigues uh, me. Yes, but see, Rick likes Yeah, the Rick crunch. likes rules. <laughs> I'm sure it intrigues Jessica because it's rules light. It intrigues me some because it is very much a whatever the game master says kind of game. But it is it is one of those games that is 100% improv. Which is like most of the time the game master does not so much as even know what the plot is until you literally start to play. It makes me think of White Wolf, except we know what the plot was for our stories. Usually. Yeah, it's it's, ima- it's imagine that, but even less structured. I mean, I as, as, as somebody who does not like, pers- like, I love procedurally generated games. Like, I like the idea of that, where it's like everybody's kind of on equal footing with the plot. So, yeah. I mean, I'd, 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 I'd want to give it a together. shot. I just haven't yet. It intrigues me. James continues, I've played through a few different systems and wasn't a huge fan of PBTA games, but Blades has me impressed on another level. It takes a lot of RPG mechanics and flips them on their head for a more fiction first narrative. Like mm-hmm. Rick just said, yeah. everyone mm-hmm. sat at a table for an hour playing a D&D heist where everyone argues the best way in only to sneak in and have the heavily armored fighter roll an eight on stealth and everyone has to go fight the guards. Clink, clink, but clink. in Blades, the heist starts when you say we're doing a heist. Also, I like the idea that you can feasibly use any skill for any problem if you can argue it to the GM well enough. Oh, I like that. Who wants to fight guards when you can throw a ghost nade at them? I want a ghost grenade. 
That sounds Impact. pretty cool. Okay, is it a grenade that makes ghosts or a grenade that is a ghost or <laughs> any grenade can make a ghost? <laughs> that one that one phrase there has got me asking questions. So, so I, I think the the three things that sell that kind of sold me on the idea of Blaze in the Dark was uh, one, when your character dies, you can feasibly wait a few sessions and then come back as the ghost of your character. What? I love being a ghost. Which is actually a mechanic in that, where you what? can just be the All ghost right. of your previous character. Oh my god, cool. my threat! My threat is real! <laughs> I come back as a ghost! <laughs> Two, the versatility of the system. I love the flashback mechanic to the system of we run into a problem, and then you just hold up a hand and go, real quick, I'm going to add some stress to my character, but let's do a quick flashback. Before we ran into these guards, can we say... Like, it's always that player thing of, well, I would have known that we're going to run into, like, this problem and I would have brought this that. But you can actually have a mechanic to say, hold on a second, I brought disguises for all of us. <laughs> and then there's a game mechanic to cover it. The third thing is the, uh, the devil's bargain, where I can oh, offer yeah. additional dice to people in exchange for something terrible will happen. But you'll probably succeed at this thing. Yep. So it's just like kicking it's, it's, that proverbial it's a, it's can down the road. It's a quo and not always uh, in a good way. Well, it's it's <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, I jumped out of this window and now I'm plummeting four stories to the ground. And I could be like, I could say that there's a carriage under you that has like a soft top that'll break your fall. And it's like, okay, I'll take those extra dice. And then when you take them, it's like, okay, so you smash the top of the police carriage. Mm. <laughs> and kind of look around and then you didn't die. And now you have to run for your life. So there's I, a lot part of, fun of me with is intrigued, system. and another part of me is like, but I like my rules, so I know exactly where I stand on things. Yeah, th that's the kind of game that you have to have a good dynamic at the yeah. table because, like, if you're yeah. just playing with somebody random, you don't know if they're going to give you a fair shake. You know, that might yeah. be yeah. more problematic. I, and I think for for Rachel, the selling point is just the fact that the setting is basically Bloodborne meets Dishonored meets Peaky Blinders. Yes. It makes me so happy. <laughs> so, I love this a lot. It's like, it's my jam. <laughs> anyway. But James uh, signs off with just James. Well, thank you for your Thanks, email, James. James. Yes. And you Have can hang out with me in Nightall, even though all these other jerks don't think it's fun there. In Penguin yep. Land. Yep. Stop calling. No, it he's going to be in Nice Rock. So, Nice Rock. Nice little port yeah. city. And I don't know where we'd remotely put it, but eh, Patreon stretch goal. Who knows? Not everything can be a Patreon stretch uh, goal. Yeah, it depends yeah. on how high I make it. <laughs> that is true. We are almost to five thousand, and then it's maybe Tyrant's Grass weekly. We are creeping up towards weekly Tyrant's Grass. Mm. So, so uh, yeah. Our second email is from Braden, located in scenic. Pangolius Nidal. Oh, he's already been. No, okay, Rick, <laughs> did you pick this specifically Rick, because the person says, has a Hello, FTP, and hello to Heather, my fellow admirer of all things dark and horrific. Needed more goth go. love in the inbox, so I Rick wanted to write in with a question for all of you. Mm. Thank you, Brayden, for supporting me in the fact that Nidal is amazing. <laughs> I just want to put I, on the record that if Heather actually in real life had to live in Nidal, <laughs> she would not like it. No. Yes, it that is very true. And it would to suck. be fair, if we really lived anywhere, <laughs> in Galarian we wouldn't like it because we'd be like where's my cell phone signal <laughs> well obviously but like you would be like I guess I'm gonna go to church now and they're gonna hurt me because that's what we do here like in not reality, always you could be the herder if you really yes, felt they it, also you know? are hurt they hurt themselves it's a whole thing that doesn't anyway. change the fact that I love things all dark and creepy, okay? Yes, but you yeah. would I mean, not I love want things dark and there. creepy as well, but I still wouldn't want to live in Nidal. Also, Nidal probably has like giant blood sucking insects. Oh, oh 100%. Yeah. Oh, you have them. a Sturge friend. Sturge pets, yeah. <laughs> Although I vaguely recall that Nidal also has like like cat sized moths. 
Oh, I do like that. I don't I mean, remember where I read that, but moths are cool though. Cool. <laughs> moths are cool. I don't The trees there are pretty. They're white. That's the right. bone trees. I wouldn't mind. The bone trees are really cool. Anyway, we're off topic. Sorry, Brayden. Nidal. Nidal's cool. Brayden says, "How do you handle taking breaks in your campaign? I'm currently putting a campaign on hold due to burnout as the game master of it, and wanted to hear your thoughts and experiences with this." Haha, <laughs> breaks. I know you've mentioned mentioned a <laughs> strange Aeons game before, but there are any other experiences you have in regard to this? I'd love to hear player and game master perspectives. Mostly we just stare longingly at our strange Aeon characters and dream of a day that we can finish the game. Y'all are lucky we love you, Pathfolk, so much because the podcast is the reason we had to put strange Aeons on hold. Honestly, we put a lot of things on hold for, for that because we, we we used to have like a, a every two years, roughly, we'd finish a, you know an adventure path yeah. and we would already queue up another one. every year, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, every year and a half-ish or so. Yeah, yeah. it depends on how often we got to play. But and we had scheduled yeah. them out for like three or four years probably yeah, and bye, all of, of that all, yeah, yeah. All that bye yeah. of the Righteous the was supposed to be after Strange Aeons yep. yeah, that was the next one on the because we'd gotten into about halfway through book four on Strange Aeons and that's usually when we started talking about well what do you want to do next uh-huh. and uh, we'd settled on Wrath of the Righteous and then one day Rick was like hey y'all want to start a podcast and like, that okay. was all, that was all she wrote for that but I suppose well getting back to breaks in campaigns and how we handle it I don't think it's really something that we dealt with much yeah. before not really not I mean if we ever pick up Strange Aeons that'll be the first time we've had a really long hiatus from a game to come back to it like before mm-hmm. the the most was probably ever a couple weeks when people couldn't make the game or something or like that. We did yeah. do a break it for Strange Aeons actually like um, before we like fully put it on hiatus for a while because um, I remember we didn't play for a while and I just remember like I think it was like Rick and Rachel moving into a new house and like I remember coming over and seeing the house and there's like a crazy board put together that's like, <laughs> okay, here's what's going on in the story, guys and walks us through like everybody we know in the story and like how they're remember. connected and all of that stuff and we were just like Oh, okay, that's what's happening. All right, let's roll. So yeah. I suppose for some serious suggestions on taking breaks. And Game Master Burnout. Yeah, and Game Master Burnout. Well, I suppose just on the, the subject of taking breaks, excessive note-taking is very useful if yes. you're ever going to take a break because sometimes people will just not remember what was mm-hmm. going on. For whoever is tracking experience to make sure that everyone updates their experience before you go on break just in case that one person loses the sheet of paper that has your experience on it or anything like that. Divvying up the treasure before you do a break is probably a good idea. Just basically making sure that... Do all the bookkeeping. Yeah, that yeah. you can't lose anything. Uh, and maybe, like, when it's still fresh in your mind, typing up a, uh, you know, here's a kind of a recap of what's gone on up until yeah, this point. Yeah, I mean, that would be something I would suggest for the players, too. It's yeah. like, hey, we know we're taking a break get all the bookkeeping done and then write down anything that has stuck with you and that is important to your character from as mm-hmm. far as everything that's gone on the campaign so far. That way, when you guys eventually sit back down, you can read over that and be like, okay, I, I have a footing and remember what's going on. Yeah, my thought on GM burnout, and this is going to sound somewhat self-aggrandizing, so I'm going to apologize for this. Uh, first off, I don't really suffer from GM burnout. Like, I have never reached a point where I haven't wanted to storytell and maybe it's just my my brain, but Rick is happier when he's a, the GM versus when he's a player. He's a good player and he's issues, fun to yes. have in games, but <laughs> Rick is much happier when he's the one in charge. And I don't mean that as a dig at Rick. I'm just so, saying he knows yeah. that that's the role he prefers to have when it comes to tabletop RPGs. I mean, I recently put a game on the Discord on pause because I was converting 
Rhyme of the Frost Maiden to 2E yeah. uh, for a play-by-post game, and that was too much with also Gen Con and also work mm-hmm. and also everything else. And so I, we just essentially decided to pause for a month. But it's play-by-post, and we have the entire history of everything we have ever done. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit different. What Jessica stated is very important, is make sure that you are still practicing good self-care. Like, mm-hmm. know what you can... Uh-huh. We recently had a discussion. I won't get into the details because it's all behind-the-scenes planning. But I basically said, I can't be involved in, in a project for the podcast because there are not enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and It sucks for me to admit that because it's something I'm interested in doing. Sometimes you have to put your own personal health and your own personal... People will understand. Feel, you know, your personal life ahead of the game. Consider asking one of your fellow players if they wouldn't mind GMing for a little bit. I mean, you could feasibly even use the same characters. You bring in a GM, you know, a character just for kind of a one-off thing. Have someone else's character kind of step off to the side. Run a few... Have someone else run some society games. Or just, like Jessica said, say, you know, hey, we'll pick this back up in a month. Just need a breather. Mm-hmm. And most people are going to understand that. Oh, yeah. And if they don't, maybe they're not great friends. Yeah. (laughs) If they're not supportive, maybe consider whether or not you should be in a group. I mean, just find something you like to do that distracts you from the thing that is burning you out or that you're stressed out with. That's And if nothing is fun, first of all, lean on people that you care about and know about and realize you're alone. What you shouldn't do is grind your teeth until you need to get three fillings (laughs) and a night guard. That was an oddly um, specific comment because that's true for I Jess. just had to get three fillings and a night guard. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, like Jess was saying, if nothing seems to help, there's nothing wrong with seeking professional oh, yeah. help. Absolutely. Know? If things you love to do don't help you anymore, talk to somebody. Even if, it, even if it's not in a professional capacity, sit down and have a real conversation with your friends. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you are able, um, like, I am very lucky in that my my job does um, thankfully pay for mental health services. And uh, I'll flat out admit, I've been in therapy since the passing of my mom, uh, because that is probably the one of the number one things that affects my gameplay. People wonder, you know, why we're able to get into these emotional situations. It's because a lot of us have been through these emotional situations, and so it, it is almost... It, it feels very real sometimes. Um, and so, uh, you know, talking to someone in a professional capacity is a really good thing. But exactly like Heather said, if you if you don't have that, you still got to let it out. If you if you bottle it and you let it fester, it's not good. You, you got to get it out. Um, like I, I play tennis every week. I pr- sometimes pre- pretend that all of my problems are, you know, inside those little balls and I smack the crap out of them and it makes me feel better. <laughs> we want all of our path folk to be happy and help- yeah. healthy. Yes. And yeah. it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. You got to be a little patient. And sometimes that's the hardest part. Yes. Yeah. But in the current environment, I think all of us are experiencing a little burnout. So just try to focus on the things that still make you happy. Yeah. And Absolutely. if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So kind of the reverse exactly of what Heather was just saying, as far as what focus on what makes you happy, understand what makes you unhappy. You know, if there's something that is making you unhappy or causing you to burn out, being able to isolate that and figure out a solution for it is good also. But definitely, if you need it, if you feel a constant burnout or burnout with everything in your life, make sure to seek out professional help. Yeah. The number one thing that you have to do, especially if you're you're having professional burnout, is stop beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. Because you can't deliver in the way that you used to, that you don't have the energy that you used to. Like, the biggest thing for me was I had to realize that 
I couldn't function like I used to, and that was fine. But it's hard if you put a lot of pride in what you're working on and, and what you're doing to say, I need a break, right? I mean, we, mm -hmm. especially in America, have kind of this culture of always being work. You are your work. Like, work's the most important thing to you. And it is thankfully something that, you know, in the pandemic, we've learned that that may not be as true as it was. But the hardest thing I had to do was just fight myself on the fact that, like, you don't feel like doing anything. And that's mm -hmm. terrible. And honestly, like, what got me through my episodes was honestly playing with this group. Like I, I could not write a single line of code. I couldn't, you know, uh, I couldn't write a story. I didn't want to play video games. I couldn't do anything, but I came to this group and this group was like the, the reason why I was getting up every day and like just making it through was so that I could get to another game and to, to just disappear into a character for a couple of hours. So, you know, take the time that you need. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, Mental health is one of those things that's very important to me because I've suffered mm -hmm. with you know mental health issues most of my life. And message me on Discord if you're looking for somebody to talk to. If you don't have anybody in your personal life, we also have the Couch Channel. Yes, on the Discord there is a channel that is for advice and things like that. So if you just need to find other pathful, we'll be there for you. If so you need the to find couch somebody, the, yep. couch. the couch, the yeah. couch. But yeah, Brayden, thank you for that. Their questions and. I think it's a very important this, question. Yes, and I hope, you know, Pathfolk, you know, you can you can ask us hard questions. We don't mind. Um, but <laughs> we Brady's, don't shy away from hard anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think that was a hard question. I, that's just... Yeah. Some, some people some people might think that that was a hard question, so, you know. Well, it's, it's difficult. You know, Jordan is very good at being willing to be blunt and open and share about this. It's difficult for a lot of people to, to do yeah. so. And mm -hmm. so... Uh, Brayden signs off. Thank you very much for your time. And may the Black Triune deem you worthy in the eyes of Zon Kuthon. Well, I know I am, but Ooh. I don't know about the rest of these people. I think I'm I shall never be worthy. Be blessed in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that blessing's a curse. How dare you? <laughs> After all the advice we gave you. I am very happy. You come yeah. into our house. <laughs> hey, he came into the came into the Pathfolk house while Heather was in charge. Yeah, he came so, into the you know house. It was I'm like telling the, you, there's a conspiracy because I think we're intentionally. <laughs> See, um, I, think, I think what Brayden's kind of getting across there is uh, you need to be a bit more like the, the followers of Zonkathun and really love what you do. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> love yeah. pain a little bit. Being oh, miserable love the suffering. Great. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yep. It's like one our, of those CrossFit people or something. Our, uh, our third email is from Kyle from New Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Uh, Jersey Devil. Jersey. He does say which I came up with, which came up as a Pathfinder lore place before, but I can't remember which. Sandpoint? But I do feel like Sandpoint with the Sandpoint Devil, and then yeah, there's the Jersey Devil. Yeah, we probably put him there. The yeah, Sandpoint so, uh, Devil being an equivalent of Jersey yeah, Devil. That's so, great. Uh, so Kyle from uh, Sandpoint. It's a lovely little town. Don't mind the goblins setting things it on is. fire. And the late unpleasantness. Uh, yes. Which Rachel and I did a thing about. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go listen. <laughs> He says, uh, my I'll name is Kyle around. from New Jersey. So Kyle from Sandpoint. Sup. And my question message is this. When it comes to campaigns and time-limited events, do you feel it's important to still bring in backstory and other side events during the time crunch? Uh, I'm still a new GM, and Mummy's Mask is my first campaign I've ever done. For oh, the first, awesome. And for the first two books of Mummy's Mask, I barely had time to do anything with my character's backstory because I felt the story called for nothing else due to the undead rising in the lottery. It's mm -hmm. to a point where I pretty much told my players that after book four, there will be very little story with them personally due to time crunch. Obviously, me being the GM, I could rearrange things as needed, but I'm finding that hard to do. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. Kyle says, I love the way you were able to do this so far. I'm only on episode 56 and the Pyramid of Arithmetic Bliss. Oh, I remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. Good um, times. Yeah. Y- you were able to Such give life times. <laughs> to your PCs and NPCs and made Wati feel alive. Are there any tips you could give me and other GMs about not feeling the need to just stick to the books in time of crisis? Video game time. Okay, that's my <laughs> My go-to for most things, and part of the reason that I feel that we can fit in a lot of the character backstories during the course of doing pre-written adventures, is to incorporate the characters' backstories into the adventure. And so instead of it's a, oh, well, we've got this side story thing, and one of the characters is dealing with a gambling habit or something like that. Well, just find a way to just say, okay, well, instead of this person being here, it's your bookie comes to you and asks you to do something to try to get out of debt. Uh, again, the the Viper showing up and talking to Sudi mm-hmm. was just foreshadowing for an event that was going to take place later on that is part of the book, even though the Viper showing up talking to Sudi is not part of the book. And so finding a way to just kind of incorporate what's going on with Sagira's cousin mm-hmm. being responsible for taking the mask and you know, being the barefoot man and all the rest of that and then tying that story element together. It sometimes stretches credulity of, uh, wow, you know, it's convenient that Sagira's yeah. cousin was the guy that was doing all of this stuff. But I almost that's feel like that's expected in this kind of a world. Does it's that a make any trope. sense? Yeah. It's a yeah. story. Yeah. We're, we're telling a story here. Yeah. You're PCs and therefore it's acceptable that sometimes things just happen to coincide to make everything work. But yeah, just uh, incorporate elements of the characters' backstories into the story. And that, once again, gets to our classic motto of communication. Uh, talk yep. to players, talk to your game masters, game masters talk to your players. If they come to you and say, I've got a brother, and you want to say, yeah, your brother's name is Tetmanib, he works at the temple. There you go. Also, mm-hmm. he's been really weird for a while talking to himself. <laughs> ever um, since he almost there died. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> ever since he almost died, he's just been really weird about talking to himself. Or it's just like if you want Septi the Crocodile to be, you know, your your cousin or your aunt or something like that. You know, somehow tying the characters in together. The other thing is Rick cuts a lot of encounters that are just kind of there to give you experience. And if you do Filler that, encounters. that frees you up some time. Yeah, we use the fast stuff. track XP to kind of make up for that because... Like Jess said, Rick does cut encounters, so we yeah. have more time to shenanigans. <laughs> a, a bit of a conversation we had earlier today, actually, as uh, for our Hell's Rebels second edition actual play available at uh, Find the Path Presents. <laughs> We're using the uh, milestone experience progression, where I just tell you guys when you level up. Uh, when you accomplish significant things in the story. And that leaves you to cut as many encounters as you want and take yeah. as much time for anything else that you want. Yep. Yeah. So, yep, yep. so again, like include enough encounters. That it feels challenging for players. But if you feel that, God sakes, I don't want to. Heck, I think there are two fights against uh, camel spiders in book one of Mummy's Mask. I cut the second one okay. because screw that. I ran the first encounter with camel spiders and it was kind of fun. I'm not going to rehash that. Um, I think they're supposed to be in the uh, the kitchen of the second place that you go, the oh, House the, of Pantera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, you're supposed to fight weird. some more camel spiders there. And I'm like, I don't need you guys to fight more camel spiders. I've done this fight once. If you make me fight the same thing twice, it's getting redundant. <laughs> some books, you're going to have a lot of encounters that are really cool and you want to like show like, I mean, you, you look at our current, you know, encounter list of like traps and stuff. It's been mm-hmm. amazing so far in this book. But if it was traps. like a book where we're going through and we're going to fight nothing but kobolds. I mean, kobolds for days kobolds for an here, entire book. There. You know, we everywhere. Yeah, if, if we're finding nothing but kobolds, we would get bored of fighting kobolds fairly quickly. We make the joke, and no spoiler here, so I won't reference you know what it's from, although you might be able to guess uh, that it's the hallway of five serpent folk. 
Yep. Yep. Where it's like, I'm tired of fighting groups of five serpent folk. Who all have the exact same gear. And, exact same gear. Yeah. Exact same set putting tallies exact next to gear. That's how <laughs> yeah. you know here. Yeah. Yeah. Is it another set of that? Okay. <laughs> Kyle goes on that's a, that to say, I wish I was able to use that time to build a story, and the first chance I had was in book three, but I feel that was definitely too late. Looking forward to hearing a response. I might have to keep up with current after parties or he- to hear this, or maybe I'll catch up with my binging soon. Keep being cool, guys, and good luck, Pathfinders. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kyle, and hopefully also, you do catch up and hear this advice soon. You know the other thing yep. is? It's your story. Yeah, it yep. is your story. Yep, you can do whatever you want. That's the power of the GM. And it's never too late to like start adding new elements, right? Yeah. Like, you know, just because you didn't start, you know, with the, the elements that you want to have now doesn't mean you can't add them in now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and your players don't know what it's supposed to yeah. be. That's true. <laughs> so. And we, we don't do this on this uh, podcast, but I have listened to other podcasts where they do flashbacks. Mm. Like yep. starting mm. a session when you sit down with a character flashback is a possibility of just going, well, we're doing crunch time here, but hey, half orc fighter you're you know you're laying in your cot you're staring up the ceiling and then you know you're dreaming back and you remember being on the beach side with your half orc girlfriend and staring out at the ocean and thinking about when you're going to build that beautiful house by the by the sea to raise your half orc children in yeah Yeah. we have a fourth very short email from alec who also doesn't say where they are from roll a d10 where did it go there it is I'm just gonna I'm gonna come up with a chart and just have a random determination I a two. chart. Two. We need somebody to map Ooh. the places we've put people and send it to us. If anybody has that, that <laughs> yeah. would be who, who what I will brave send soul you a will shirt. try to listen to what are we at? Fifty six after parties to figure that Across all out. Across the show. There was somebody that was going through and doing yeah. something like that. Well, I will send you a shirt. Message me the list and I will send you a shirt. All right. We're going for the uh, the broken lands this time. So Numeria, Bravoy, the River Kingdoms, or Rasmaran. Oh, hail the living god. Rasmaran. <laughs> throne step. Throne step over in Rasmaran. All right. Yep. Yeah, so okay. right. Alec from hope you throne like the living god. and Asmaran <laughs> says, hi there. I'm writing in with an idea for some merchandise. A Narmer plushie. That would be <laughs> <Yes>. amazing. <laughs> we need yes. this. Would like this. I know you probably have already thought of this, and I don't know how the whole merchandise thing works. But anyways, I just thought of, hey, if there were Nar- if Narmer plushies were a thing, I would totally buy one. <laughs> Thanks. I need to know how to make a plushie. These yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Send so me if anyone knows plushies. a company, yeah, because you know I would company. freaking love a Narmer plushie too. I mean, True. come on. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like the small squishable style plushies, yeah. which is yeah. basically a ball. With little catfish whispers. Little catfish whispers and little flippers. And fins, yeah. 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 And an optional little like plushie door that opens up. Oh, that's stuff the deluxe version. Actually, you know really what would be cute. a step up from a Narmer plushie? The dice holder. Yes. The, <laughs> the, the, I believe D&D makes beholder dice bags. Like a oh. Narmer dice bag? That would be amazing. Oh, open his little his chest cavity. Yeah, you open his little chest cavity and throw it in there. Alec, I like how you think. Yep. Comes with a little plushy scorpion. Yes. So thank you for that suggestion. I I really, we need to look into that. We should probably seriously look into that. (laughs) That, (laughs) That's already getting traction in my brain. (laughs) So I think that brings us to everyone's favorite part of the after parties. The casting. Casting casting. the legends. Casting of the legendary folks right now, I believe. I'm excited. So uh, yeah, go ahead and bounce me. 3D6. 3D6? There's a bunch of them. Am I doing sneak attack? Yes. Sneak attack. Add them together. Uh, 12. Okay. Should be interesting. Today we're going to be casting the Black Sovereign. 
Keboth Cole. Oh, okay. Keboth Cole is the absolute ruler, the black sovereign of the strange barbarian land of Numeria, a yeah, formal boy. tribal leader. He now rules his land from his palace of fallen stars in the capital of Starfell. As a young man, Kabathkul was simply one of many Kelid tribal leaders common to the windswept plains of Numeria. He quickly distinguished himself as being one of the boldest of his kind, claiming leadership of the Black Horse Clan in 4687. Over the next year, he conquered most of the neighboring tribes, forging alliances at the point of his greatsword. Numerians began to believe that he would become a truly great leader and expand their land beyond its traditional borders. This changed when he declared that Starfell would be his capital and crowned himself the Black Sovereign in 4690. There, he allied himself with the reclusive members of the Technic League and sought to exploit the technological secrets of the Silvermount. Members of the Technic League controlled Kevin Cole for over 20 years by addicting him to the mind-altering fluids that seeped from the walls of Silvermount and kept him moody, erratic, and docile. They controlled him in state uh, with silvered words and subtle magics, de facto becoming the rulers of Numeria. This changed in 4716 when the head of the Technic League mysteriously died, throwing the organization into disarray and infighting. Freed from the League's malign influence, Kevoth Kool broke free from his addiction. The people of Numeria now wonder if Kevoth Kool will return to his ambitions of territorial expansionism, although he faces a changed political landscape. Long left to deal with the problems themselves, the tribes and people of Numeria are content to ignore the Black Sovereign and make their own decisions. Additionally, former Technic League members have allied themselves with numerous regional warlords and become supplying them with technology previously reserved only for Kevoth Cole. This has led to an arms race that threatens to push Numeria to the very into a very bloody civil war. I am ready. I, know I am very ready. I, I have one, but it's people are probably going to think it's kind of weird. Well, you're you're first. I'm going to go with uh with with Michael B. Jordan. Ooh, nice one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, just in Black that. Panther and then the Creed movies and stuff, he can mm-hmm. be a tough guy actor. Oh, yeah. he's charismatic, too. Yeah, and he's yeah. also got that charisma that he could be, like, a really, you know, a, a leader-type actor as well. So I'm going to go with Michael B. Jordan. That's an All interesting right. one. <laughs> I like it, though. Who's after Heather? It would be Rachie, right? Yeah. Uh, Rachie, please don't say the one I want to say. <laughs> I'm going with Dave Batista. Okay, you didn't. Nice. Okay, yeah, I was thinking about um, him. Yeah. Because I'm like, I was thinking like, gotta be an intimidating dude to like, you know, get in there and take everything over, but also charismatic. And I'm like, Dave Batista fits that bill. I freaking love him. <laughs> so Dave Batista. Very nice. I think I can convert Rachel with mine when we. Dave Batista is pretty fun. Yeah, I think he's been mentioned for others, but he has not been cast. All right, somewhat based on the 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 artwork for him, you know this this ruggedly handsome, long, lanky hair, dramatic figure, also uh, charisma, but does that like both you know the before when he was drugged up and then asked afterwards where he's you know passionate and forceful. Sebastian Stan. Oh, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good a bad that choice. Charisma does uh, does a good Winter Soldier both uh, before and after. I do love after. me some Sebastian Stan. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. And, Can't go wrong. <laughs> and the idea of trying to reclaim his image for anyone who hasn't seen uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, the idea of trying to like reclaim his image and you know all the rest of that, like that guy's got some charisma. Yeah, he does. So, yeah, I'm, right. gonna, I'm gonna go with Sebastian Stan. I think he's. I always feel like Sebastian Stan is short, but. Maybe I think it's just because there's so many tall actors around. There's a lot of tall (laughs) actors in the Marvelverse. (laughs) Okay. Vinny Jones. 
oh. coach from She's the Man. Oh what? my gosh! He's a British former footballer. He's also in Lock Talk and Lock Stock and Lock, Two, stock, smoking, two barrel. smoking Barrel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, okay, he's Juggernaut in the X-Men movie. But the coach movies. from She's the Man is what I think of him from. <laughs> Oh yeah, so he funny. is tough but charismatic. He can obviously motivate teenagers to play soccer better. He does not discriminate <laughs> based on gender. He does not discriminate and he based just on gender. Looks that's right. like the art a lot because he looks a of, lot like the art. Yeah, that's a guy oh. that's like seen some, you know, like. But you want to do what he says because he's scary, but also like cool. He's the he's the silent uh, car thief in Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. He's, he's in a, a he's in a lot of stuff. He's, uh, he's so Rick good. in Arrow apparently. Oh, oh, he's in Arrow. I have to catch up. Yeah. Ooh, that's, anyway, I don't know Vinnie if you've co- totally converted me, but I do love him. Hmm? Pathfolk, I come to you today to right a wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you see, in our casting of the Pantheons, we missed a critical actor, and it's time that we invite them into our casting universe. Kevoth Cool is Vin Diesel. Vin is tough as nails and sounds like gravel and buff enough to swing a greatsword. That is true. I've never seen him with hair. I have literally never seen him with hair. I don't think he can grow hair anymore. Um, He can, and it looks very weird. My problem with Vin Diesel is that the first thing and favorite thing I ever saw him in was Pitch Black. He's Riddick forever. I imagined him as like either an assassin or... Or a rogue, and I can't to, shake that, and I can't picture him. What are we doing? To be fair, immediately after that was the Chronicles I of know. Riddick, where he's hanging out on a technological throne at That's the end, going, "You keep what you kill." But he didn't last. <laughs> he ended up getting mutinied. He did like had talk about family and like you know sticking together and all of that stuff mm, in um, Fast and the Furious. So I think great leadership potential, buff. Yeah. Buff. Great sword. Buff. <laughs> um, wait, also, didn't he do that movie? It was like, a, he's the like pacifier? a witch hunter or whatever. No, the last like, witch oh, yeah. The last yeah. Witch he hunter? did do a witch hunter. Yeah, one. so I think, I think he used like a long sword or great sword or something. So, the diesel's not a bad choice. I he's honestly thought choice. you were going to go for it, especially because Kevoth Cool is apparently actually like 50 now. That's why Vinny Jones. Arnie. Did feel too on the nose, yes. Vinny Jones is the right age, got the right look. Casting Conan with was <laughs> way too on the nose. All right, guys. What are you as doing? always, get out you know of here, take the league. <laughs> subreddit, go to the subreddit to vote for who you think who should be cast. Hey, we got oh two Vins going. And then as always, be you know, you can always Find us on Discord or Twitter, and of course, email us if you want your questions answered in after parties. Otherwise, you know, good luck out there, Path Folk, and we'll catch you next time for more easygoing adventures in the slave trenches of Hakatep. Well, nothing bad will happen again. Yep. For sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's weirdly optimistic of you, Heather. That's um, how we I'm know t- you're wrong. I know, right? <laughs> well, good luck, I'm, I'm trying to lull y'all into a false <laughs> sense of security after you made so much fun of my country today. <laughs> <laughs> but good luck out there, Path Folk. Bye bye. Bye, Path Folk. Bye, bye Path Folk. Bye. Bye, everybody. You know that Kevoth Cool has a cousin that's breeding gremlins to try to undermine Kevoth Cool and the Technic? Yeah, (laughs) that's a subplot. Wow. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.